a week no longer greatness has arrived welcome to the trophy room a playstation podcast made by the players for the players i'm your host joseph aka mr Badbit, and it is here where me and my best friend kyle talk about the latest the greatest in all things playstation of course you can listen to this show wherever you find your podcasts and on youtube at the trophy room show and if you like what you hear please consider dropping us a five-star review on apple podcasts plop us a follow on spotify or toss us a buck our way over at patreon.com slash ps trophy room so with all that said and with all that out of the way the greatest co-host whoever is whoever will be mr kyle stevenson how are you sir i'm doing okay yeah i'm doing okay trying to survive um i have so much more room for activities now in my new space i bought a new desk yeah and uh i'm loving the layout joe saw joe loves it absolutely um the downfall joe what is it is uh playing games for this many years hours every day being a large and in charge human being yeah the carpal tunnel is real yeah so screwing together this gigantic desk on sunday and then monday at camp having to unspool a giant thing of yarn for about an hour Mm-mm. my hand is done gone it's out of it's commission. been tingling and numb for the last two days I, it hurts when i hold the controller it sucks yeah it's real bad i feel you i feel you you, you know you're getting old when rumble is like triggering your car oh tunnel. yeah yeah uh-huh. I feel ya. kids I know it's depressing. This is it's what bad. you have to. This is what you have to look forward to as you go older. <laughs> yeah, man. I listen. This week, since I'm starting the the new job in about a week or two, I've been doing nothing but gaming. Hell yeah! And you know, we talk about August kind of being a a dead month for game news, and rightfully so. It, it is actually currently, Kyle. I didn't know this. Uh, I follow a few of the PlayStation like social media teams and, and marketing folks. Mm-hmm. Most of PlayStation currently on vacation. They treat oh. they treat a whole lot of their staff to a nice staycation. Here you go on awesome. house on the company's dime, which is pretty neat. But it sucks if you're trying to run a news show that's surrounding <laughs> PlayStation. But yeah. there's still a lot to talk about, like yeah. a rumored from software PlayStation 5 exclusive that may not have a connection to Blood, uh, Bloodborne or Blood Demons. <laughs> yep, I wish. Uh, Outriders dev saying Square Enix has yet to pay their royalty fees. Or we're going to talk about the effects that boycotting that Activision Blizzard company may have on Call of Duty Vanguard. Also, we have two amazing interviews. We have Steven from Squad State on to talk about our review discussion on Ghost of Tsushima, the Iki Island DLC on the PlayStation 5, as well as... We're welcoming once again to the show Luke Snore, I mean Luke Lore of the Xbox Expansion Pass to talk about the Avengers War for Wakanda DLC. So there's a lot to talk about, Kyle. There's a lot to get into. But before we do, I would like to thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash PS Trophy Room for producing this show each and every week. I want to thank our platinum producers, Todd Burwitz, too soon. I want to thank our gold members, Chaotic Monkey, Gavin Groff, Ga- Gavin Gottfried, Griffin West, Jose Jimenez, Jedi Master, and Metal Kirby, and Robbie Bobby Miller. I want to thank our Silver Plus members, Hide and Doors, Nakachaka, Marcus O'Neill, oh, it's just Ray, JB, the Purple Monkey, Jadis Von Metal, Tim Ulf, Justin Rodriguez, Awesome Dave, Mr. and Mrs. Nasty Boots, Cypher Primus, and Captain 
Logan. Oh my goodness. I'm tripping. I'm tripping all over myself. There's just so many people to thank so many people and so little time to thank Kyle. Whew. That's been a lot, but now it's time to finally square up the news. First piece of news that needs to be squared up is from Michael Haradance over at PlayStation Universe. The rumor from From Software's PS5 exclusive game has no connection to Bloodborne or Demon's Souls. Developer From Software is reported to be working on a new PS5 exclusive title, and according to the latest murmurs on the as-yet-unannounced project, the game will not be related to previous titles Bloodborne and Demon's Souls. That's at least according to Xbox-era podcast host Nick, who claims that Dark Souls creator Hidetaka Miyazaki is involved in the project. Quote, Deal-wise, it's pretty much identical to Bloodborne and Demon's Souls, as in Sony owns the IP, but it's made together with, obviously, From Software and Sony XDev Japan, which is former Sony Japan Studio. Miyazaki is on it. It's not Bloodborne. It's not Demon's Souls. It's an entirely new IP and apparently has no connection to the former two games. It's believed, I think, the PS5 exclusive is more Souls-like than it is Elden Ring Sekiro. End quote. From Software developed the original Demon Souls for the PS3 back in 2009, after which it worked on the Dark Souls series, which achieved critical and commercial success. Bloodborne followed in 2015, while Elden Ring is penciled in for a January 2022 release. Awesome Dave writes in, and I usually don't treat Awesome Dave to such a luxury as to saying the word that shall not be named. Banger. But he did get the correct day as of recording that it's been <laughs> since Bloodborne's launch, so I'll allow it. Sweet. He writes in, with the alleged secret PS5 game being developed by From Software, do you think they can top Bloodborne? As you know, Bloodborne was the most banger game on the PlayStation 4, and would the PlayStation 5 game be a possible banger as well. It's been 2,339 days since that banger day in history. Can we expect From Software to perform a double banger with Sony exclusives? Now, okay, now you're just that's four. You're just throwing them in. That's you're four. just throwing them in at that point. That's just saying it to say it. It's losing its meaning. <laughs> All right. What do you expect from the banger brother himself? Oh, I don't think you should. I don't <laughs> think you need to. I don't, I don't, that's a little bit much. All right. So <laughs> Kyle, yeah, I know you're not a from software guy. I'm not. And this new story is pretty much just for me. Sure. And yes, the validity to these rumors from an Xbox host to a PlayStation speculation town. Very, very thin. I get it. Mm-hmm. But let's just say it's true. Yeah. And let's just say this is, this is the next game out of Miyazaki's twisted head. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um what do you think? Do you think that from software has the opportunity to top themselves? Oh, absolutely. I think they yeah. do. I, I, I think every from the outside looking in, I think every single from software game that has come out has only topped itself. Yeah. Um and, and that's from somebody who doesn't really play them. Um so I absolutely think that they have the capabilities and the skills to do it um i'm just curious as to what it's going to look like because mm. i feel like we're getting to a point again outside looking in we're getting to a point where some of the games and the environments and the enemies might start looking a little bit samey okay it might not differentiate each other from each other all that much um so i'm wondering how where they can go like Sekiro, mm. i think is is pretty different but like 
Bloodborne and Dark Souls to me a little bit kind of mixed together, minus like the hunter's garb yeah. and the weapons and whatnot. Um, I just want like a whole new kind of like world and environment to to do it. Like honestly, if From Software could make a Souls game in the sci-fi kind of mm. worlds, or mm. like a um, futuristic, like mechanical kind of thing, I think that would be super super cool. Yeah, I know, and I'm I'm totally blanking the, on the name. There's games to surge that are, yes. are very much like that. Yeah, um, and I know many people love them, but it's I would love to see from uh, kind of tackle that. I think, and I I'm, I want to type this down, so I'm sorry if you hear the click clack of of a uh, of, of keys. That yeah, they've made um they've made the Armored Core series. Yes. So like you know like big giant mechs fighting and all that such. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I'd like to see from them, but we'll, we'll get to that in just a sec because sure. I know there's a question that revolves around that. To me, um, do I feel like they could top themselves? Listen, I- I'm going to be honest. I don't think this is real because I think From Software is busy on Elden Ring, and I think whatever this game is um, is probably not coming until 2023, so I don't think we got anything to really worry about here. But I think you're right. Uh, Kyle, every time From Software makes a game, it does seem like it, it tops itself. My personal favorite being Bloodborne, but I know a lot of people, like our good friend Ains, loves Dark Souls 3. There's so many people that love Sekiro. And all these games, it's constantly From Software reinventing themselves or reinventing the genre and breaking the genre in ways that only they can get away with, it seems. Mm-hmm. So for me, yeah, easily this game comes out I've never even seen it, but I have faith that this thing could very much top what it's what it's what they've done prior because they have a pedigree of doing that. Again, no. uh, I don't even think this is real, though. <laughs> That's the other true. Thing, you know? And I want I want to throw a wrench into everyone's that uh, plans that just popped in my head because okay. I was looking at what the last couple from software games were and like back in let's just go from 2014 dark souls yeah. 2 and then in 2015 was scholar of the first sin the the expansion bloodborne <clears throat> then there was a 3ds game monster hunter diary which i've never even heard oh, of, really? of before yeah. dark souls 3 and then before sekiro they made deracine on the yes. psvr yes what if this ps5 exclusive is for psvr 2 and they are making another vr game Maybe, maybe even more into what they're known for, and be like a Souls-like in VR kind of thing. Funny you say that, Kyle, because there's literally a port or like or a mod someone has made of Bloodborne in first oh. person. Oh, that sounds. Look terrifying. it up on YouTube. Look it up on YouTube. I will do it right now. And that sounds awful, Kyle. All you're seeing, and, and and audience, come with me here. All you see are like the hands of the hunter. So it very much feels like any other like PSVR game where you're in first person, like a Beat Saber, um, where you see the person's or the thing's hands or like pistol whip or whatever have you, where you see the hands but not the arms. So like a lot of people are like, man, if only we had a Bloodborne VR game, that would be something incredible. And look, this at looks it, awful. What this do you mean? Like I, not awful, like bad. Just this looks like I terrifying. Awesome. I would hate this. I would love it. Put me in right now, Cap. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Turn off the lights. Go for it. Now, Gav's go to you right in. Real quick. Yeah. It does take me out a little bit because the person I'm watching is also fighting Mace Windu in Bloodborne VR. Oh, so really? It's a, little, it's a little weird. It's taking me out a little bit. Well, all you have to do is uh, 
force push him off a window and he's he's no problem. Anyway, Gavs Goatee writes in. He says, with the secret, or sorry, with From Software making a secret PS5 game, supposedly. Don't get your hopes up, bud. Uh, but what would you want from software? Or sorry, what? me and words tonight do you want from from software to continue making the same style game that they've been making or try their hand at a different genre with a from twist what would that genre genre you'd like look like so kyle is there is there a genre of games that we haven't seen that you think would do well with a a from software twist to it because you're right like you know we know what a from software game is when you when you look at it i think you know soulsborne comes to mind every time you have a third person game that or action game with like you know a lock-on targeting mm-hmm. system so uh what do you think kyle what genre would you like to see them oh, tackle? easy from is known for their punishing combat yeah correct yeah what other genre has punishing timing kind of uh things that can really um mess with you and that's platforming oh give me a from software platformer Mm -hmm. where you have to make precise precise jumping a Mm. dodge at the right time for for the enemies and like i'm thinking like crash bandicoot on steroids that's what i'm thinking too (laughs) and and i'm in i will play that game to completion like i i definitely from is known for their for their difficulty and i think they whatever they make is that is going to be just ingrained into whatever genre or title they're making so i would love a platformer from from i mean you even like talking about platformers talk about like because like i'm thinking in my head this game's 2d right oh yeah and how would that like to me then all they're doing is making a castlevania game and if sure. that's the case, just give From Software a Castlevania title. Yeah, yeah. And who knows? Maybe that is it. Maybe that's what the rumor is. You That'd know, cool. like there's been rumors that PlayStation has the Castlevania IP. Maybe this is them taking it over. But for me, I'm actually that's that's realistically that's what I would want. I want to see them tackle the two two D Castlevania because that's very much their lineage in certain ways. So. Mm-hmm. To me, though, a genre that I'd like to see them also take on, fighting. What does a From Software fighting game look like? That'd be pretty dope. You jump in the air and you jump wrong, so you break your shins. Like (laughs) (laughs) You make a double kick, you hit the guy in the head, and eye pops out. Something, you know, something brutal that only From can do. And think about, like, because they're known for their brutal finishers. Like, you get behind a guy and you, like, I don't know how, but you put your fist through their spinal cord and rip something out every time uh, bloodborne i'm pretty sure ed boon would, would, would exactly <laughs> like <laughs> you got ed boon going oh my god they're doing they're doing mortal Kombat better than me we gotta <laughs> we gotta put the kibosh to it so yeah yeah that said this is just a nice old fun topic uh, i've seen this rumor pop up with something akin to uh was it like oh yeah the next day to play is the 19th and well we're recording on the 18th and not a word from sony so again yeah. I don't don't think this is happening, but it's fun to kind of speculate for sure. This next story, Kyle, not fun to speculate. This story kind of sucks. So let's go for it. Uh, Are we going to the the Call of Duty one? Yeah, go for it. Chandler Wood over at PS Lifestyle writes, Analyst predicts Call of Duty Vanguard as the best-selling game of 2021. 
Hold on. New mouse, new difficulties. There we go. <laughs> Despite a California lawsuit against Activision Blizzard and this year's game not being from one of the more notable sub-franchises, Black Ops or Modern Warfare, NPD analyst Matt Piscatella forecasts that Call of Duty Vanguard will be the best-selling game in the U.S. for 2021. A look back at the best-selling game since 2009 shows that Call of Duty was only ever knocked out of the top spot twice, and both were for new-release Rockstar games, 2013's Grand Theft Auto V and 2018's Red Dead Redemption 2. Even with caveats for how game sales are and aren't tracked, such as some companies like Nintendo notoriously not releasing digital sales numbers, Piscatella says that, quote, it doesn't matter for this list, end quote which seems to indicate that Call of Duty is far and away the best-selling title regardless of factoring estimates on unreported digital sales for other games. Rumors say that Call of Duty Vanguard's integration into Warzone will far more will be far more in-depth than even Black Ops Cold War was, which could and likely will in turn drive up the adoption rate of the premium game. California lawsuit against Activision Blizzard may have some impact on Call of Duty sales this year, but Piscatella clearly doesn't think it will have a big enough influence to affect Vanguard's spot at the top of the bestseller list. Additionally, employees at the various developers, including Vanguard developer Sledgehammer Games, have not called for a boycott of the games they are making and working on amid the ongoing lawsuit, even as they themselves continue to push for a more fair, safe, and equitable working culture. So I bring this up. Uh, Call of Duty will be officially announced this week, but we are not covering it directly. Uh, more so on this information that um, Matt kind of gave to us here that kind of got me thinking in a more existential light, um, which I like to do every now and again. I don't know about you. I like to think existentially. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, is God real? What's the meaning of life? You know, how yes. does the mail system work? Yeah, because I put I put a letter in the mailbox. I was like, oh, my God, somehow this is going to get to the sender. That's nuts. How? how yeah. What's the system in place here to make that happen? Wizards? How do stamps work? Exactly. How do stamps work? How do you know if it's fake or not? These are the questions that keep me up at night. But with a smile on my face, I was thinking about us, you know, saying, listen, we don't want to cover Activision the same way we've covered them in the past and you know how I don't necessarily feel comfortable right now supporting their games. And that hasn't totally changed, but I have seen a lot. The the last paragraph really takes, takes a big piece of it where I've seen a lot of devs come out going gang. We, we get it. We appreciate what you're doing, but understand this is hurting us. Like understand that if you quote unquote boycott it or, or whatever, have you that, that infects our our bonuses at the end of the year. And one one uh, Blizzard employee literally put out, listen, if Diablo re- uh, Resurrected or whatever yeah. doesn't hit a sales uh, deadline or whatever, uh, sales marker, I'm not going to be able to afford daycare for my kid. So understand that this is in a good place. But yes, you're not going to make the impact that you think you're going to make. And the impact you may make may actually just hurt us and not Bobby Kotick. And I think that's a a fair argument here. And taking a look at what, you know, even Matt Piscatella has stated, hey, listen, you may be upset, but it's not going to change anything. Call of Duty is still going to be the top selling game this year. How does that how does that make you feel? Do you think with all the outrage, all the fervor, all the anger 
that has come at Activision's way, is that is that going to actually affect this game sales? Or you think Matt's right? This this isn't going to move the needle at all. Um, I I kind of and it sucks to say, but like I kind of thought this would have been the case anyway. Um, and it it, it it's not because of like people listen to the show or people that listen to any video game podcast who know what's going on with Activision Blizzard. Uh, and chosen to boycott. I fully believe that they will not buy their game and, and, and kind of stick to their guns. At least I hope so in that way. But it, like when it comes to call of duty, still being the best selling game of the year, like there's kids in high school that don't care. And this is all they play. They're, they're parents. There's moms and dads and grandma, grandpa's going into game stops and best buys. Like just give me the new call of duty for Christmas for, you know, little Timmy over there. Like there's, there are just people out there that just buy call of duty just to buy call of duty because that is a yearly thing that they do. And they don't really pay attention to the game news uh, around or outside of just like whatever it was. Um, yeah, no worries. Uh, so I, yeah, I kind of figured that would be the case. Um, it does. I understand where the devs come from, where they talk about like if you boycott the game, it's going to hurt us. But it's just like, I don't know. I feel icky about that. Yeah, right. Like we are, we are, for the most part, it feels like we are fighting the good fight. Right, we're we're doing what we can do best outside looking in. Of here, here's us sending a message to these bigwigs saying like, "Hey, we don't like what's going on with your company, and we're gonna hit you where it hurts." And it feels kind of like I'm I'm forgetting the term. Oh, there it feels like some of these devs who say that kind of stuff is like gaslighting us a little bit, like making us feel bad for trying to do good. And I totally understand that if games don't sell, some people's jobs will be in jeopardy. And that truly does suck. And that's, that's where I, I lie. Like I, I feel like I'm being pulled in both directions and I, I have the best of intentions. And so like, yeah, I'll buy your game so you don't lose your job. But I also don't want to buy your game because the people above you are assholes that need to change their ways and provide a safer working environment kind of thing. So I'm being pulled all for good intentions. It's not like, it's just, it's a very hard topic to fully flesh out and get all your feelings across and make, and find the common ground and choose whether, which way you're going to go with it. Yeah. I actually have a, a buddy that works in design. Like he does art and stuff and uh, without naming names, I, I just, I told him, I was like, Hey bud, uh, been a while, but I have a question for you. If I chose to not talk about your game or not, you know, quote unquote, boycott it. Right. And for me, again, that's not what I'm saying. You can make up your own mind. I just still don't feel comfortable. Um, you know, am I hurting you? And he's just like, he he's literally saying, he's like, your intentions are pure, but yes, you will, you will hurt me. He's like, understand that like, no matter what a, you know, a suit is going to look down and say, this game didn't perform well, so we need to make sure this this company A, B, or C maybe needs a smaller team size. So it's like, no matter what, you're going to hurt me if you do that. And he's like, as for like not talking about it, he's like, that's your prerogative. That's your thing. He's just like, but are you? what are you really doing by not talking about it? You're just ignoring the issue itself. So 
I, I too am, I'm, am kind of conflicted. It's, it's, it's why I'm having these talks with you each and every week. Cause this is such a, I guess, unique position that we're in. Um, and, and a first for us of, of how do we tackle these things? Cause yeah, it's, to, you know, looking at it, I'm like, <laughs> I could tell everybody go, don't buy call of duty. Y'all aren't going to buy it. I, you know, like, or, or you're going to buy it anyway. Like, when I take a look at, uh, and I'm not speaking for anybody, I'm just anybody uh, uh, interested in Vanguard. And even then, like Vanguard, for what I've seen, doesn't have the gas like other Call of Duties have, like they mentioned in that article. But still, this game will be the top selling game this year. Like, that's just a scientific fact, <laughs> you know? <laughs> just looking at statistics, there's no Rockstar game to dethrone it. That's what's going to happen here. And with the integration of Warzone, Warzone, from what I've heard from everybody, is like, that is the Call of Duty platform now. And having it closely integrated with Warzone, yeah, people are going to are gonna buy this game or buy the skins for the, you know, the Warzone, whatever have you. So to me, it, it, it does suck. And on the other side, I, I like this one tweet that this, I think the community manager for Sledgehammer made where she's just like, I am so excited that I was the one that made the tweet that said, you know, announcing the next call of duty. And I'm like, damn, am I dampening her happiness by not talking about it? And it gets me, it just gets me curious. It gets me thinking. I want to, I want to know the audience's thoughts here um, because I, I feel like we're, we're doing what we feel is the right thing, which is just like, again, making sure that we're bringing this up when needed and by just stating how we feel on it. You know, I really hope next week they make more firings. I feel more comfortable and saying, you know what? I'm back on the bandwagon here. Here comes Diablo 2. Let's go. Yeah. Right now I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm on the cusp. Just, I get that. Li- just listen it, to your folks. I, I, another, yeah. another example that we can take is like with the, uh, the Harry Potter game, right? Yeah. How even with that, like I'm still fully never, I, I'm not, I'm not going to ever get it. Um, right. And like, that seems to be like, nothing's really changing. Right. So like this with the Activision Blizzard thing, it that seems more of a a, a, a healing or not healing, but like a um, rectifying all the wrongs kind of thing. Right. More so than what whatever's going on with that Harry Potter game. I realize that guy left the studio. Yeah, it looks like he got your there, hand. There's yeah. still like some ties, obviously ties to JK. So yeah, I, like that's not going anywhere. So my sense is still super firm on that one. Sure. With this one, it's, it is softening over time with every new firing and every yeah. new positive step that's taken. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Again, all you got to do is listen to your folks, you know, like get, yeah. listen to their demands. They don't sound crazy. It's nope. not like, you know, the end of the world. Just, just mm-hmm. listen. So yeah, I just wanted to, to, to talk to you about that because I felt like it is important. Absolutely. Yeah, listen, uh, Vanguard, I'm not even, even before the whole, like, I don't feel comfortable. I didn't feel like I needed to let go of my money for Vanguard. Sure. So it is what it is. But yeah, it's just something to, to you know, just take note of, I guess. With that, Kyle, there's more shady business going on here. There's a lot of shady business going oh, on this week, yeah. honestly. Uh, Wesley Yin Poole over at Eurogamer writes, Outriders dev says Square Enix yet to pay it a royalty fee. 
In a financial statement, Polish company People Can Fly said that up to August 16th, it had not received royalties on the sale of the co-op-focused looter shooter from publisher Square Enix. Royalties would be paid to People Can Fly if the net receipts from the sales of Outriders yielded the, yielded the pre-agreed level of returns for Square Enix on the costs incurred relating to quality assurance, distribution, and marketing. Essentially, the contract states People Can Fly gets its royalties on profits only after Square Enix makes back its investment. The deadline for this royalty payment from Square Enix was 45 days from the end of the calendar quarter and expired on August 14th. No payment was made on August 15th, the first business day following that day, leading PCF to conclude, quote, there are no grounds for the publisher to pay royalties to the company for the period from April 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2021, end quote. Outriders came out on April 1st. The suggestion here is Outriders failed to break even for Square Enix, but it seems PCF isn't sure exactly what happened. It accused Square Enix for not providing any information regarding the sales, income, nor costs relating to the development and publishing of Outriders. People Can Fly President Sebastian Wojciechowski said, quote, We don't have any sales figures for Outriders. We estimated at between 2 and 3 million units and assumed that this was a result that would ensure profitability for this project in the first quarter of sales. The lack of payment by the publisher probably means that, according to Square Enix, this is not the case. Wojciechowski Oh my goodness, Wojciechowski then went on to speculate about the cause of this revenue shortfall. Quote, perhaps it was caused by some elements of Square Enix's sales policy, the details of which we do not know, such as partnerships concluded by the publisher with the distribution platforms or entities offering Outriders as an addition to their products. Failure to achieve the level of profitability may also mean that the costs incurred by the publisher are higher than expected. But I don't want to speculate. We will analyze, analyze the situation further. It is worth noting, however, that some, such explanations take time and our influence on the publisher's position is limited, end quote. The news comes as some surprise given Square Enix talked up the success of Outriders soon after launch. In May, Square Enix said Outriders was, quote, poised to be the company's next big franchise, end quote, after three and a half million unique players flocked to the experience in its first month. At least some of Outriders' success was attributed to its day one launch on Xbox Game Pass. All right, Kyle. That was a long read, and I thank you for reading it. I do have a question for you, though, Kyle, because I know you're Polish, right? Is I am when you when you butcher a name or you don't say it right. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel like your ancestors die a little bit inside? I was afraid. I, I was hoping you would not pick up on that. <laughs> <laughs> trust me. Trust me. I absolutely. I get it, it every single time. It does. <laughs> every time I tell a relative, no, I don't speak Spanish. You're like they die. So they li- audible like failure. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what it really sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is this is shady business. Yeah. So right off the bat, I I like I don't even know where to start because it's that, it's that shitty. I guess are you surprised that this game seemingly didn't break even for people can fly? Maybe Square Enix also hasn't figured out stamps yet. Maybe that's why the payment <laughs> hasn't gotten to the people can fly. That's true. Um. This is kind of shady. This is, I don't understand what's going on over here. Cause, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a lot of people were playing Outriders. Yeah. A lot of people. I feel like my entire Twitter feed when that game came out, you included, just like 
love that game and played mm-hmm. a ton of that game. So I to found see a journal. <laughs> so not um not having them receive royalties from Square Enix as a publisher seems odd because it only makes sense that they made a lot of money on that deal. Now, Xbox Game Pass, truly the truly the culprit here. <laughs> They're the evil ones, right? Phil Spencer plotted this from the get. Isn't that right, Kyle? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. What do you mean? Because Xbox Game Pass is the devil because this is a PlayStation show. We have to talk about it. I mean, we could talk about it, but I'm not going to call it the devil. That's just wrong. I heard I heard Phil Spencer still wants the bed. No, I've heard a lot of silliness. Yeah, I I only caught a bit of it because yeah. that is one of the problems with me working at a summer camp. I'm not allowed to have my phone out. Honestly, Twitter. you were saved. You were saved. So, like, I, I saw a little bit and people were, like, talking about Outriders. Like, why are we talking about Outriders? Obviously, now. Yeah. I know why. It's just silly. It's just stop. Yeah. I hate fanboys so much, Joe. And here's the thing, because, like, you see, like, when, when Outriders came out, this is the elusive fanboy we're talking about here. Yeah. The, like the fanboys on the Xbox side are like, look at what we have. Isn't this cool? Look at us. Mm-hmm. And then like two months down the line where they find out that, you know, Xbox Game Pass may have caused this, you know, game not so well. They're like, well, it was a bad game anyway. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that great. And so like, obviously it was problems at launch. Um, and then like PlayStation fanboys, the elusive ones coming out, being really, you know, jealous of those that got it on Game Pass day one. Now we're like, look at your god. <laughs> look at look at look at this. Look how yeah. stupid it is. Um the question, Joe, you played it. Is yeah. there like costumes and stuff that you can buy pay with real money? Honestly, this is a game that respected your time a lot when it comes hmm. to the loot grind. And it, it very much is they said it. They're like, you play it, play as far as you want. There is loot you could obtain, and that's it. Like this is not a game to service. From the cat, and listen, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys, and, and Xbox fans, remain in your seats for this explanation, please. Did Xbox Game Pass hurt this game? Yes, it did, because Xbox people didn't buy the game. Instead, they bought it or, or they got it on Xbox Game Pass. Even the CEO alludes to that of the publisher uh, playing with the distribution of other platforms or entities offering Outriders as additional to their products. That's Game Pass. But to me, what I read this as was that there was no clause in the contract, again, not a lawyer, but there was no clause in a contract that told Square Enix that you couldn't put this game out there on a service and that the number of downloads couldn't equate to a copy sold. So it mm. seems like Xbox approached them, probably not knowing the contract between Square and, and and PCF, and they were just like, hey, you know, first games in a series could fail. Here's a big amount of money. Put this on the service. Get some advertising, free advertising for your game. And they agreed. And Square maybe didn't know about the lack of clause in there. Maybe they did. Either way, it's shitty. And so now they're out of platform Outriders is out of platform, or sorry, people can fly, is out of a platform to put Outriders on to be sold. So, of course, it didn't hit sales numbers because if you're on Xbox and you bought Outriders, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So, to me, yes, it's it's the it's one of the cogs in a very shady wheel. It's not Xbox Game Pass's fault. It's literally shady publisher, Square Enix, for example, here, their fault 
for kind of abusing a, a, a contract. So I want to put that at ease because we're not that type of podcast that we're going to point at Xbox Game Pass and go boo, boo, boo. But it does really suck to see that a dev has gotten screwed out of a lot. Like this game, you're right. There were so many people at launch. Their servers could not take it at all. They had server issues for weeks. They had loot issues for weeks. And that was because of the high population on their servers. They probably didn't think they would get two to three million active users on day one, right? On one, uh, on, on one platform, let alone three. So to me, I feel really bad for people can fly because the true villain here is Square Enix. And they've had a history of doing this to developers as well. There's a couple of JRPGs that those developers have gotten boned. Um, Platinum is a, is a great example of not getting uh, paid for one of the near auto, uh, not automata, but one of the near games. Wow. So, yeah they they have a they have experience with playing with contracts, and honestly, it it just sucks. So, please don't throw shade. Everybody give. Give props for pe- to people can fly. Uh, they they really tried their best with this game and really got they they really got screwed at. This it game. had a lot of promise. Yeah, from, yeah. And I hope they make a sequel. I hope it's successful. And I hope absolutely Square doesn't own it and that they can self publish. But that's neither here nor there. Kyle, anything more you want to say on this Outriders? <sighs> no, not really. Did uh, uh, did our friend Lord Cognito ever get his stuff back? Yes, he did. I believe he did. Okay, I, I know that was a long running thing that I would see on Twitter. It was. It's. It felt like a like a countdown. Day yeah. twenty three without my loots. <laughs> and it sucks because he loves them looter yeah. shooters, man. So absolutely. Yeah. Again, I, I I really hope that something turns around for him because it's not like Xbox can turn around going, oh no, you didn't get your money. Uh, here's a yeah. couple million dollars. You know right. what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. That said, let's talk about the last bit of shady news. Tom Warren over at The Verge writes, Among Us devs aren't happy with Fortnite's blatant copying. Epic Games launched Fortnite Imposters yesterday, a new mode that copies the Among Us game mechanics. While Among Us, the multiplayer game that soared in popularity at the start of the pandemic, was free on the Epic Game Store's epic game store recently epic didn't collaborate with inner sloth the studio that created among us for the new fortnite mode the developers behind among us are clearly surprised and unhappy that epic has copied their game so blatantly with social deduction gameplay and a very similar map quote it would have been really really cool to collab said victoria tran inner sloth community director like game mechanics fine those shouldn't be gatekept but at the very least even different themes or terminology makes things more interesting end quote Gary Porter, a developer from Four Among Us, also pointed out the similar similarities between the map and, or excuse me, the map that Fortnite uses and Among Us. "Quote: It's okay though they flipped electrical and medbay and connected security to the cafeteria," joked Porter on Twitter. "I wasn't even around for the development of Scaled, the first Among Us map, and I'm still kind of offended." End quote. Intersloth co-founder Marcus Bromander said the company didn't patent Among Us mechanics as, quote, I don't think that leads to a healthy game industry, end quote. Instead, Brombander expected Epic to put more effort into their own spin on it. Epic's imposters mode in Fortnite has obviously taken the Among Us team by surprise, even if it's only a temporary mode in the game. The not-so-subtle hits at copying and art theft here come after small creators have accused Epic of stealing their work in the past. 
Epic has faced years of legal complaints related to emotes that the company copied from children and independent artists without paying for them. Epic's choice to copy Among Us also comes just months after the company's bitter legal battle with Apple. It's a legal fight that Epic CEO Tim Sweeney has described as about, quote, basic freedoms of all consumers and developers, end quote. It's not a great look if Epic is fighting for small developers in one sense, but undermining them elsewhere. Wow. What a yeah. story. This makes me actually angry. This, honestly. This really does. Cause this is this is straight up like you take a look at the map. Oh, it's yeah. It it, it is literally the meme, hey, can we copy your homework? Yeah, just 100%. don't make it look like ours. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. A couple little slanty walls instead of straight walls. That's yeah. really all it is. And so I'll I'll get out if can I can I get it. at this first? Absolutely. Wow, how dare you, Fortnite, have the audacity and the gall. Listen, a lot of people are like, Fortnite's popular because they copied a Battle Royale game. Yes, they did. They copied PUBG, and that's shady to a degree, but they also did something better than PUBG, right? That building element is a game changer, and the way the loot system works is a game changer. They improved upon design, and that is why Fortnite is one of the most, if not the most, played game on Twitch or in the world. And so I understand that at the same exact time, guys, you didn't even try on this one. It really is just among us. And it really sucks because you see a huge conglomerate owned by a Chinese company, Tencent, take on a small developer that can't fight back. And that just really sucks. Because it's not like PUBG, where PUBG was already pretty, you know, it was big, it was growing, right? This is this is a small little indie, and you took it even then with with PUBG. It's like, come on, damn it, man, this this sucks. And and to say, you know, with the whole fighting Apple for the basic consumer freedoms and developers, and, and we're fighting for the developer, are you really when you're literally stealing kids' dances to put floss in the game? Are you kidding me? Literally stealing like like rappers and artists like moves so that you could profit off of them and then trademark it so they can't do anything. Are you kidding me? Get out of here, Fortnite. Get out of here, Epic. Yeah. That's so that that was that was something I was going to bring up. Like this isn't the first time Epic has done some of these things with Fortnite. Like there are so many creators on TikTok I see that have created dances um, even before TikTok, like on Vine and, and whatnot. Like that Epic just strictly took from them, put it in the, in the game and didn't credit them at all. Or, or, or even like monetarily gave them some money for their, for their work and, and like licensed it out kind of thing. But like you said, yeah, they pretty much was like, Oh no, this is ours and we're trademarking it. And so nobody else can like make money off of this thing. It's, it's really, it's so stupid. It yeah. makes me so angry and it makes me feel a little bit more icky about them, you know, getting new deals for all these like new IP for characters hopping in the game. Like mm-hmm. what's next? You know what I mean? What else are they going to rip off next? Wonder Woman. I'm going to buy that skin because I'm part of the problem. Of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. It's just like, I don't know where are they going to do like a, I don't know, a portal uh, game next in, well, mode in the game. Or and like, like when, when you really think about it, like Fortnite really just, for example, Apex comes out, they got a ping system. A week later, Fortnite puts a ping system yes. in the game. Yes. Uh-huh. Right. Like 
you're already king of this genre. No yeah. one's dethroning you. You're already eating. And now you're slapping the food out of someone else's ma- mouth because you're just big and you can do it. Like yeah. if they're putting another spin on it, just like the developer said, go on, do it. But yeah. you're not even. It's, it's like the it's like you walk into school one day and you you have you finally got some really cool looking new shoes. Yeah. And everyone's like, man, Joe, look at your new shoes. They're awesome. And the next day, the most popular kid in school also grabs the same exact pair of shoes. And they no longer are talking about your shoes. They're talking about Jacob's shoes. Yeah. And like, oh, we all want to be like Jacob. Like, it's just like. Well, no. And in actuality, you don't want to be Jacob. He has a trouble home life. I mean, fair. (laughs) That's why he's bullying you. Fair. Yes. Uh, but no, I can't. No, I get it though. Like, are you yeah. saying Tim Sweeney's bullying people? Yes, he is. I really do think so because, like, again, this is a small team. Why, Absolutely, it is. Why do it? It just it just seems like a bully maneuver. And again, people won't like it, but we'll end up like me cashing out, buying a Wonder Woman skin because it's Wonder Woman. She's badass. Just when like is how the I Jeff Keeley face mask showing up in Fortnite. That's what I want to know. Uh, that's true. Well, give it a week. <laughs> true. Give it a week. So yeah, this is this is this sucks. Shame on you, Epic. And uh, I really hope you lose that lawsuit, which it looks like you are. So with that, and like yeah. just again, like Among Us has been out for years. Yeah, like it wasn't a last year thing. It was out prior. Yeah, and you're only are, are copying it now because it is super popular and it's making tons of money. Yeah. And the like, uh, I just I despise it so much. How dare you! Kyle, that's been the main news for the week. We squared it up. We did a great job. Earlier today, I got to sit down with our good friend Steve from Squad State, and um, we talked about Ghost of Tsushima's Iki Island expansion. So with that, since Kyle wasn't in the room for this, Kyle, put on your headphones. Let's listen to my conversation with Steve about Ghost of Tsushima. And joined with me is Steve from Squad State. How are you doing, Steve? I'm great. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Of course. Thank you for being here. Uh, And you're here for a mission. Today, we're talking about the Ghost of Tsushima, Director's Cut, and Iki Island DLC. Um, Just, we were talking before the show, and this DLC is very much crept on us. It just, it's here, it's out. And I want to know your thoughts on it. So right into it, uh, Iki Island DLC, let's tackle that first. Absolutely. How does this story feel from the main game? Let's just take it over there. Uh, yeah, so I, I think it's very much in line with the overarching narrative. We're still uh, in the throes of learning who Jin Sakai is, right? Like This is our first real look at him as a character. He's brand new to sony's ip brand new to to all of us so this is just another chance to kind of get to know him his backstory and everything um i think overall this is probably the most vulnerable look we get to see of of jen um if, if those of you who are familiar with the base game uh were introduced to kind of like his his pseudo father, his mentor, and yeah. all that in the Iki Island expansion were introduced to his actual father and kind of what what it was like for him growing up um, under his father's tutelage and kind of that background. So I think overall, 
is very much still in line with with the story we're seeing in in the base game but i i do think that we're seeing like a lot more texture to jen this time around that's really awesome and you know because we 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 in the base game we hear a lot about his relationship with his uncle and not not to not to go into spoilers into the mm-hmm. dlc but how does it how does it feel as part of a story does it feel like a a one-off does this feel kind of disjointed from the main game or does this feel like it's 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 a part of the game itself i, I think it does a really nice job of feeling like it's a part of the game you you get so many pieces of DLC in games that feel like they're inconsequential, like they're just tacked on. Here, here's a story that you could just uh, ignore. It really has n- no repercussions to the character, to the overarching story. Uh, I, you know, I, I kind of go back to uh, Marvel Spider-Man, for instance. All those pieces of DLC don't really push that story forward in any meaningful way. I think that Ghost of Tsushima's Iki Island expansion does. And I feel like it really makes itself to be like a must play experience for with a caveat for people who are really invested in the story. If you're invested with Jin, you came off Ghost of Tsushima and you're like, you know what? I really want to know more about this character. Mm -hmm. This is this is a must play um, piece of piece of content. Otherwise, I I do think that you could probably go without it. Right. It's not it's not pushing the boundaries in any meaningful way, but I I think that it, it does a really good job of what it's trying to do. That's all. That's awesome to hear. Now, for people that are are you know looking at the clock of I'm yeah. paying twenty to thirty bucks depending on the version. Mm-hmm. Um, how long does this thing take to beat? Is this a forty minute experience? Is this a twenty minute experience? What what are we looking at here? Uh, so, if I had to put like a a rough estimate around it all it would probably be about six to seven hours to complete the main story of Mm. it and then you're probably looking at three to four hours to complete the map and all of its side side quests activities uh just basically clearing out the fog of war that's in insane i did not think six seven hours that's i was really thinking like maybe this is a two three hour experience but six seven that's that's quite a beefy part of the game yeah so i i I tried to to mainline the story and it took me about a night and a half let's just say like like probably three to four hours the first night and then um two to three hours the second night and then i just kept uh, powering through with the the side stuff afterwards yeah that's actually really awesome to hear because when we hear like 20 30 buck dlc we're really uh, again my mind's eye goes to like okay two three hours this is what it is it's gonna be it's gonna be all right um when we talk about combat i I love how you brought up spider-man's dlc because it wasn't amazing (laughs) in lack of better words for sure and what you kind of at least alluded to here is it's it's kind of opposite that of spider-man where this is a big piece of content story-wise but combat it doesn't do all too much how is how is the combat from Iki Island's DLC is it just more of the same or do you feel like they are you know experimenting in some parts to be honest I think that in terms of the like the additional mechanics or like gameplay features it's pretty lacking I'll, I'll be totally okay. honest um before before really cracking into that part, I just 
really want to say that for people like me who played Ghost of Tsushima when it first came out, I went through a platinum debt and then basically never touched it afterwards. Coming back to this was a real kick in the face because I was like, how how do I do the different stances? How am I blocking, parrying? That took me like a good hour to two hours just to kind of wrap my head around like the gameplay itself, just the base stuff. Um, and then you start getting into kind of what they added and uh, what Sucker Punch added into Iki Island. And to be honest, all they really did was add a charging mechanic when mm. you're riding your horse. So when you're on your horse and you see like a group of Mongols in the distance, you can now press the, I believe it's the L1 button and your horse just basically like takes off like a rocket, goes through them all, knocks them down, kills them. And that's it. And that's, mm. And, and as you start completing different quests and everything, you get those technique points, and all you get to really do in Iki Island is attribute those to that uh, mechanic. So I was a little let down by that. I was hoping that there would be a little more incentive for me to go and do um, more of those side missions because, funny enough, you you can you can max out that that move. Um, within hours, and then you start accumulating more technique points, and I have everything unlocked, so. I'm kind of perplexed at like why they included so many technique points when there's nothing really to spend them on. It's kind yeah. of weird. Okay. Okay. And what about the biome itself of Iki Island? Cause I love the, the lush forests of the, 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 the first Island you get to the second Island is war torn. It's amazing. I, I love that second act. Um, yeah. Does Iki Island lend itself to be a little bit more varied as well? I think so in terms of like the color palette, I, you know, um, just basing this off uh, memory from Ghost of Tsushima, but once you get through like each region, they, they had very distinct color palettes. And this one has, in my opinion, its own. Uh, there are areas that are very purple mixed with, uh, there's a lot of lush blues and stuff like that. And I think there's there's one specific area that I've I've grown so fond of, and it's like this overgrown, dilapidated village where it's just, literally covered in, in in shrubs and grass and everything and it it's just really a marvel to see on screen um that that specific area is one of my favorites but otherwise it does feel very much in line with the rest of what we've seen in ghost of tsushima i mean playing it on playstation 5 i've been abusing the the capture button just <laughs> relentlessly just Sorry. putting it through its motions and yeah, yeah there again it's it's a beautiful game uh, yeah. But I, I got that's par for the course. That's no different than what the base game offered, you know. So, yeah, it's and with that, I, I really love what you said because for me, you're 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 talking to, you're talking to my soul right here because I was all about the Ghost of Tsushima storyline. I'm all about seeing more beautiful vistas, getting to take it in, and knowing that it's it's like a four to six hour experience. That's that's awesome to me. It's a little yeah. bummer that like yeah, combat is more the same, but. More of the same also for me is is more Ghost of Tsushima. It's great. That said. Thing. Yeah, we're already talking about a game that's like a 9 out of 10 or yeah. or something up there. So it's like, can we really complain that we're just getting more of the great stuff that we did get last year? Not really. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, uh, when it comes to multiplayer, you let me know that multiplayer, the, the new stuff is not out yet. It'll be out on release day. Yeah. So the only thing we need to tackle here now is that $10 upgrade. 
Uh, If you're coming from the PlayStation 4 version to the PlayStation 5 version, Sony is charging you an extra 10 bucks for it. They're talking about all these adaptive triggers, all these haptic feedbacks, all this, you know, natural 4K, all this, all this Mm -hmm. stuff, all this jargon. We saw a week ago, or as of recording a week ago, you know, uh, Hellblade, Microsoft went out and said, hey, here's a free 4K facelift of this of this game, which is also spectacular. And it's free. Mm-hmm. So basing it off of what we've seen from their competition, is is this $10 upgrade worth it? it it's really hard to say because I, from a developer standpoint, I kind of understand why they have to charge because they are doing more than just a an up-res to 4K. They are adding in those adaptive triggers. They're adding in um, 3D audio, the 4K, and all this other stuff. Um, so, I, I guess if you're really invested and you are, you're already if you're playing on PlayStation Five, you might as well mm. just take advantage of the hardware itself. Uh, I was really impressed with the adaptive triggers. Obviously, as, as more and more games come out, we're we're being treated to what adaptive triggers can be. If you're if you're drawing a bow and goes to Tsushima director's cut, you feel that tension pretty par for the course. Um, when you're attacking an enemy and you he- and you hit a shield, for instance, you feel that reverberation within the controller, which is really cool. Uh, one small touch that I, I fell in love with immediately is when you're uh, riding your horse and you're galloping, you feel every single individual hoof hit the ground on your uh, on your controller. So yeah, I, I I was really impressed in some aspects. I was a little, maybe this is by my own detriment, but going into it, I was like, I'm really interested to see what the adaptive triggers will do within the different stances of Ghost of Tsushima. So, for those that didn't play, you know, you had or don't remember, there are four different um, stances when you're using your when you're using your sword against enemies. I was wondering if they would implement something so that once you're switching them, you would feel some sort of different tension or anything within the trigger there's nothing like that and you know i was maybe that's that's fine um Mm -hmm. i I wasn't really expecting all that much but yeah it's it's pretty par for the course but i i was definitely impressed with the up res visuals and the the sound those were my main takeaways absolutely and thank you so much for lending your voice to that because to me i'm looking at it going okay listen i'm not a fan of it but for all the free stuff you've given me over the past year here's 10 bucks and that's how i'm looking at it and so yeah uh that said is this a recommendation is this a strong recommendation where do you where do you fall on this I think it's a recommendation for just your fair weather Ghost of Tsushima fan who played it last year. They really enjoyed the open world and everything. It's a strong recommendation if you're like me and you you went out sought the platinum. You're you're in you're in this franchise now. I, I think that what uh, Iki Island and the expansion brings to the table is, is must play for those diehards. Um, for people who were like, yeah, it was a good game. I don't know if it was my game of the year or anything like that. That's when that's when the conversation comes in of like, do you have to buy this? Especially like we were just talking about the the ten dollar upgrade fee and all that. I, I think you can have a deeper conversation about that. But again, shout out to Sucker Punch for just you know delivering more and more content beyond what what I was expecting. I mean, between Legends, Iki Island expansion now, and then even more Legends content on on the horizon as well. I mean, we're being treated really well for Ghost of Tsushima, so. 
Yeah, shout out to them. Absolutely. And shout out to you, Steve. Thank you for coming on, lending your voice to this review. Um, Steve, if if anyone's curious of where they can find you, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. They can, uh, everyone find me on Twitter at SVigvari. You can also find uh, my full review that's going up on Squad Stage. You can find it there. Um, yeah, but uh, keep up with me on Twitter. That's where you'll find like all my links and all that. But uh, Joseph, thank you so much for bringing me on. It was, a, it was always a blast to, to talk about games with you. So yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And link to all of, of, of Steve's work down below in the description. So with all that said, with all that out of the way, let's get back to the main show, shall we? Wow, I can't believe they put laser swords in Whoa. Ghost of Tsushima. Laser swords. My goodness. Isn't that nuts, Kyle? I can't believe Cole from Infamous makes an appearance. That's <laughs> so weird. Oh, I know. Honestly, it was a blast uh, talking to Steve about ghosts and hearing, no lie, Kyle, six hours of just story. Yes. Oh, That's what God. I want. That's what Please I want. keep feeding me. Keep feeding me because <laughs> I'm so hungry for road ghosts. With that, Kyle, it's time for some flash news. Are you ready to get into some flash I'm news? I'm ready. All right, good. Because Goodbye Volcano High has been pushed to 2022 amid, get this, Kyle, narrative reboot. This comes from PlayStation Lifestyle. They write, and this is straight from Goodbye Volcano High's uh, Twitter. In addition to global events, 2020 saw us rebooting the narrative of our game. Those two factors have led to a delay of our release timeline. So we're making what we're sure is now to be expected announcement. Goodbye. Volcano high will be delayed. will be a 2022 title, not a 2021 one. It's really hard. Uh, words tonight. What's going on here? <laughs> it's been a really hard year for many reasons. And the mental health of our team has to come first. We don't want to crunch. We don't want to put ourselves in stressful situations to finish a game by 2021 when we could take a little more time. We love the community that we fostered through developing Goodbye Volcano High, and we hope that isn't too much of a bummer to have to wait a little longer for some dino drama. Thank you to those who have been supporting us since day one and those who have joined us along the way. We really appreciate you and your support. We love making this game, and we're lucky to have a chance to make it. Kyle? I was not going to buy this game. (laughs) You're crazy. Um, cause it looks weird. awesome, but for me, you know me, I'm not an indie guy. Yeah. That statement alone, I'm buying this game. Yeah. I, I love I that they're another studio putting their, their, um, devs, mental and physical health first and foremost. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, love that they trademarked global events. I wonder what that means. <laughs> that threw um, me off when I was reading it. <laughs> I don't know if that, if they're trying to trademark like real life global events yeah. or, they're doing like a mode in the game with like global events happen around you. Oh no, definitely the global panorama that we're currently yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. So um all the power to you. Um I believe this is co-op. Yes. Um take your time. Make oh, a speed. really rad game about dinos in high school. I can't wait. <laughs> Rocket League PlayStation 5 update is here alongside Ratchet and Clank cars. Ratchet and Clank bundle will be including the Ratchet and Clank pump punk decal for Octane Negatron Collider Boost, Clank Balloon Topper, and Ratchet Balloon Topper. All players need to do 
to get this free bundle is log in between August 18th and January 3rd, 2022. I logged in. I did not get those things. Oh, no. I res- I, I want a refund. That's what don't, I, I say. Don't, don't do that. Qu- uh, and, and with that, the announcement of the PlayStation 5 enhanced version of the game. So right now, it's still the PlayStation 4 version, but if you're on PlayStation 5, this is what you'll get. Quality mode. 4K resolution at 60 FPS with HDR. HDR requires an HDR10 compatible display with an HDMI 2 cable or better. 4K uh, uh, compatibility display required for a 4K experience. If a 1080p display is used, the game will render at 1080p, duh, super sampled from uh, 4K. Performance mode. Game runs at a 70% full 4K at 110 20 FPS with HDR. The UI runs at 4K and again 4K is compatible through 4K TVs. Don't be a dummy about it. <laughs> Kyle, I I saw 120 FPS and yeah. since I played the Halo, you know, like beta, that's all I could think of like how buttery smooth sure. gameplay is and I'm hungering for it. I'm hankering for it. So I downloaded this and immediately started sucking at Rocket League at 120 <laughs> FPS. I love how much Psyonix is still supporting Rocket League. Same. It's been out for six years now. It's uh, They're still kicking, man. Rocket League is a stellar game. Stellar. Stellar. I, I was listening to a few buddies play it. I was like, man, I really wish I was even just decent. I suck what? so bad, Kyle. It's embarrassing. One of the, my most proudest platinums. It's not a hard platinum, um, but like the the thing that I uh, can't do in Rocket League mm-hmm. is like I can't fly in the air and do like the aerials and whatnot. Okay, yeah. I'm just really good at timing and doing the flips mm. to like really push the ball. I play great defense in Rocket League. Okay, scoring is not my thing. Yeah, neither. I, <laughs> I know how to block. I know how to pass. It's just uh, what a what a great concept too. By the way, yeah. it's just amazing. so so awesome. Congrats on the Psionic team. Hopefully, you get a PlayStation Five enabled version, like a PlayStation Five version of the game. Because yeah. I'm going to tell you something. I played Dirt Five, um, and it it's my favorite racing game right now. Hell like yeah. just because of how the adaptive triggers work. And the haptic feedback, it's it might be my favorite haptic feedback in adaptive trigger game. Ooh, nice. It really does feel like I'm pushing a pedal. It really does feel like the is engine. Is Dirt Five like a simulation thing or more arcadey? More arcadey. If okay. if I my dumb dumb brain could get first place in these races, you can't too. I, I bet <laughs> you. But it really got me thinking. I'm like, dude, I want. You know what? I wasn't gonna buy Gran, uh, Gran Turismo. Now I am day one. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Hey, Kyle, I got hey. a question for you. Not a big yeah. question, but are you holding on to something? Maybe that new desk? I sure am. Oh, Lord of the Rings. Collect Steelbook edition. Look at that. <sighs> Prepare the drop. Here are the latest steals and deals dropping on the PlayStation storefront. This week, August 16th. The Candleman. PlayStation 4. August 17th. Void Source. PS4. August 18th. Pile up box by box, PS4, Rogue Explorer, PS4, World Soccer Strikers, 91, the year I was born. Do you feel old? You should. (laughs) PS4, 
the 19th of August. Recompile on PlayStation 5. I heard this is pretty good. Also, you can get it on Game Pass. Whatever. Anyway, Train Sim World 2 Rush Hour on PS5. You ain't going to be a Rush Hour 3. That's right. <laughs> August 20th, Fract, PSVR, goes to Tsushima Director's Cut, PSVR, PS4, and Madden, (laughs) you got me, you got me, Madden NFL 2022 on PS5 and PS4. (laughs) Uh, Correction, Joe said Ghost in PSVR, he meant PS5, he was just laughing. (laughs) Because here's the thing, I was going to break because I'm reading the list and all I'm hearing you is petting petting this thing. I hope no, it came I wasn't in- petting, I was taking the steelbooks out of the case. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what I thought you were doing, like petting the boxes. Like, no. Oh my god. I didn't realize it would make the sound, but I did one. I was like, you know what, I'm committed. I have to continue. <laughs> oh god, I really hope that came through because it's great. Uh, Kyle, I did not know Madden 2022 came out. Yeah, apparently if you pre-ordered it, you could have been playing it like a week ago, <laughs> but only for 10 hours, and everything I've seen, um, like, icons don't pop up during gameplay, so you don't know who to pass to. I've seen uh, p- people playing online with against other people, and that, <clears throat> excuse me, and their teams just don't show up on the field, so you're playing against nobody. Um, seems like another Madden. I'm, I'll wait. Like, I'm very much anti-Madden because mm-hmm. they haven't really updated it in ways that I really want to see, mm. uh, which is a bummer because I really enjoy Madden, but mm. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to vote in my wallet and I will wait until they actually do something. There you go. Not that it matters because they're going to make a billion dollars. But. That's right. One billion dollars. Um, yeah. Again, the game I'm most excited for goes to Tsushima. Absolutely. Let's go. Recompile as well. Shout out to that. And last but not leastly, as we close out the show, or almost close out the show, rather, we enter the Sony Pony Express. Yeah! Of course, you can send us questions via PS Trophy Room on Twitter. You can ask us questions on the Trophy Room Discord or the old-fashioned way via Gmail. That's right, at Room at gmail.com. Or use stamps. Or use stamps, letters. Yeah. We have no address, but again, magic of wizardry. I feel we'll like you can just say, send this to this trophy room, slap a stamp on it, and we'll get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's how it works. Cloudside writes in, with Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut coming out, this is a perfect time for me to get back into it and start it again in its best form. It's such a beautiful and engrossing game in a fantastic setting and era. I think the whole extra island and content to explore... I think it will be worth upgrading to the director's cut. Do you guys think it will be a good value and as and has some concerns over the PS uh price or sorry, PlayStation 5 upgrade pr- price. You know what I you know what I think why we're screwing up so much? I changed the font. You know what that might from, be it. Honestly, I changed it, I changed it from 12 to 11. Oh. Yeah, you know what? That's fair. That's why we're tripping up. People are probably like one one font size. No, it makes a huge difference. Makes a huge difference. We literally, what, how 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 long is this? This is a six page script I wrote. Okay. Yeah. If I put it to twelve font, let's see. Let's just use the magic yeah, script. All my jokes are written out for That's me. That's right. The ones that don't land for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we have a, a little a little editor named Jacob. Put yeah. in all the laughter. We really don't like each other. Look. 
12 font makes this a seven page script. Okay? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding mm-hmm. you. It does. Uh, <laughs> Kyle. Font, font size aside. I screwed uh, everything cloud, up when I did that, too. <laughs> cloud, I see. Uh, cloud side, um, I definitely think it's well worth the price. And I think it's definitely worth the value. Um, I understand people being not super happy with the upgrade path and feeling like PlayStation just nickeling and diming you um, to death for like not super substantial things. But I think from what Steve said in his thing, like that expansion is well worth the upgrade to director's cut alone. Um, I'm so excited to dive back in and it hits perfectly. Like Friday is my last day of summer camp. Oh yeah! I have Ghost of Tsushima. I man, my weekend is set. Oh yeah, absolutely. My goodness, yeah. Like, uh, and what Kyle, you missed out on. Like, what Steve even alluded to is just like, if you're a Ghost fan, you don't care. You already bought this. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. It. It's like I, this is exactly what you want. The cool thing that he was getting me hyped on was when the horse is paddling on the ground. You you feel each individual hoof on the on the pad. Nice. So, yeah, I'm again, to me, I'm just like, hey, you, you treated me well for the last year with a whole lot of free stuff. Here's 10 bucks. That's uh, the way I'm looking at it. Question that I didn't get to ask you because I wasn't there. Maybe sure. you did. Because uh, <laughs> I totally listened to the interview. I'm yeah. sorry. That that bit definitely works in real time. Of course. Um, does when, when you choose to do the wind, mm-hmm. will that vibrate? from left to right in the controller i did not ask him that oh man if that does that joe oh my god (laughs) i'm not saying it does i have no idea no no i'll say you imagine oh man (laughs) hide indoors writes how do you decide on what console to play on i want to pick up hades but i do want to get it on my switch so i could play on lunch breaks at work or while on the couch watching one of my wife's weird horror movies. Uh, they had a huge horror thing on Discord earlier. Nice. I, I don't don't I don't like horror movies. There's only a few midsummer ge- still gives me nightmares. Anyway, do I get it on PS5 cuz it looks extra crisp and can I get get some trophies? Thank goodness I don't have a PC or Xbox to add more complications to it, but if I did have an Xbox, I'd play it there because, you know, Game Pass. Uh, here's the thing. I have Hades on Switch as well as on my PlayStation 5. I adore Hades on PS5. Um, this is what you want to play it on. Switch screen is way too small. I got dumb, dumb eyes. Uh, you know, Catherine, I know you wear glasses. So there's a lot of smaller enemies and some smaller particles on screen that... I couldn't take nor the font size on the switch version. So for me, PS five was the go-to and it's, it's changed the game for me. Like 4k 60 FPS is great where I don't feel like it's the biggest deal is the adaptive triggers or the haptics aren't, mm. aren't spectacular. Yeah. I haven't dove in yet on PS five, but I played it on PC. Yeah. Um, I would Catherine, if I was you, I would play it. Whatever's most comfortable. I think, like Joe said, I did not want to play it on Switch because I wanted to see how it looks on my TV. Yeah. Um, so that is my my preferred choice. And, of course, like anything that has trophies in it, I'm going that way anyway. Yeah. But I will say having it on the go is pretty – for like a roguelike kind of game that Hades is where you dying is part of it and you learn from your mistakes, that is a very good on-the-go kind of game to have. 
Yes. Like playing quick bursts. Like I believe you can clear the whole game in 20 minutes if you're very, very good. Mm-hmm. So um, I did. Yeah. And plus, I like, I, I feel like you need to give more time and, and pay attention to those weird horror movies because, like, yeah. those can get pretty good. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> I, don't I would say nightmares. No, no nightmares. Um, that's my grandma impersonation. That's my abuela. <laughs> and I nail it. I really do. Uh, Rick the Welsh writes, my question. How will the Ghost DLC merge with my existing game? I'm currently playing New Game Plus and haven't finished through the long playthrough. I hope I don't need to finish this playthrough to go to the DLC. I'll do a post vid of a grown man crying if so. Uh, good, good to note here. If you didn't catch it during the interview, you could play this whenever. I think all you yes. have to do is hit Act Two when you're there. So it's 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 some good stuff also trophies will pop they taught you how they showed us on twitter yes. pretty easy all it's almost like it's almost smart delivery so are you <laughs> are you saying i'm going to gonna get a game. double platinum the moment i load this up double platinum all the way man oh man nip check oh they're they're pretty <laughs> oh, pretty sharp i know also uh yeah. i guess i missed some of this in the discord earlier which you can please join the trophy room discord link in the description it's a fantastic time it's a fantastic time Learning that Rick the Rick the Welsh climbs very high for his job. That was scary. That picture I saw today terrified me. His truck looked like a Hot Wheel. Yeah. Insane. Rick's a badass, dude. <laughs> he really is. I would not do that. I'd pee my pants instantly. <laughs> no. The 85 Marauder writes, this is our last question of the show, so hold on to something, folks. It's become more apparent that Abandoned Debacle is the work of some shady studio that have a history of announcing and then not releasing games. It's obvious that his guerrilla marketing campaign was just getting more name recognition. Do you think Sony should step in and reprimand Blue Box Studios for their deceptive marketing campaign? And do you think this will affect how Sony deals with indie studios moving on? Or will other studios take note and attempt to replicate what uh, Blue Box Studio has done? Thanks for your time and keep up the great work. Well, thank you very much. Kyle, there was this whole interview and it was literally like eight pages long. <laughs> like and the font was eight, so I was just like, "It's no longer worth my time talking yeah. about Blue Box. Show me I, the game or don't show me it." Because yeah. he he had this whole excuse of like, you know, oh, we had to get something out there. It was a last minute thing, so we put on this trailer. We knew it wasn't the best idea, but we had to put out something. We're not scammers. I'm really depressed about it. Well, then shut up and just put the game out when you're gonna put it out. Sorry, I don't. Yeah, you, I, I'm kind of with you on it. I. Did not download the thing, but I saw from everyone, like, it's literally just the same clip that was on their Twitter. I laughed um, so hard. I didn't believe it. I had to turn it on <laughs> myself. And I but the, oh. the, the thing that I, I, I really appreciate is somebody, I think, on Reddit went and made this whole timeline of Blue Box. Have you seen this, Joe? Yeah. Where, like, 2015, they announced a horror game. Delayed the playable teaser because of technical issues. Said it'll have VR, then announced they canceled VR. Canceled the Kickstarter. Said the game development is on halt, and they'll tell us when development continues. Said they have a new project. Announces that development is resumed. The game was never released. Website was deleted. 2015 again. Another game. Same kind of thing. 2017. Another horror game coming out June 2017. Game never came out. 2018. Another one. Game never came out. It's just the same thing over and over and over again. It's just like... Not worth it. 
it really question it really raises more questions as to why Sony gave this a spotlight on their blog. Yeah. Like do are they being hoodwinked as well or is this just a grand scheme of things and they're just like repackaging the studio. It's kind of like when a like as an old school wrestling fan where somebody new takes over the moniker of somebody yes. like like they're they're especially with wrestlers that have masks on, they switch bodies all the time. Yeah. Like did they just take blue box and known of this history and put like an actual studio behind it to kind of like mess with us? Probably not. Right. It just I have so many more questions now. This just now screams this 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 studio's in over its head. It's, yeah, and they, it's not worth our time. It's not right. worth our time anymore. It's not even yeah. worth discussing. Like Marauder, that's a great question. Uh because I I I, I sense your frustration as I feel like you sense mine. It's like I don't listen. Uh, like when people are like, be nice to developers, of course, be as nice as humanly freaking possible, unless they're like evil or something like notch, like <laughs> then you can say something mean about him. So what I want to say here is you can't just put a carrot on a stick, expect us to follow it and then keep being, keep communicating very non-direct ways and then tell us your game's going to be announced and constantly push the carrot back. Right. People are going to get fed up with it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So should we be nice and respectful? Sure. That's why I'm not like at, you know, Hassan. Yeah. You're, you're, you're big dumb, dumb, whatever. <laughs> That's my meanest thing I can think of right now. <laughs> it's like, no, it's just, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm done talking about it. Cause it's not worth our time. You know, yeah. Hassan, you're able, if you want to clear up the things of us, the trophy room, PS trophy room at Twitter, you're happy to come on here and, talk, yeah. and we'll talk to you. And bonus, if I could touch your face and make sure it's not a mask. <laughs> if I stare really hard at the screen, I'm looking to see if any part of you is flickering in and out of like frame. Yeah. I'll like be if like, you're a hologram or not. <laughs> Hassan, blink twice if you're in danger. <laughs> you know, that, yeah, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe PlayStation's been hoodwinked, but this deceptive marketing campaign is now annoying and i think with people looking at how annoyed people are i don't yeah. think you want to do this to your team even nope. if this is just a, a a studio that's in over their heads i think other studios are looking at this going we have to a why do it but like b like why would you want to put your social media manager in that type yeah. of you got to be a real sociopath to, to want and, to and like i do feel somewhat bad for the team. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. But also, they kind of know what they're doing. And they are leaning into it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. At least before all this, like, actual seeing that trailer on yeah. the app kind of thing. Like, they know what they're doing. They're not dumb. Yeah. Which is just frustrating on all accounts. Very frustrating. With that, Kyle, listen. We're going to talk about what you've been playing. And we're going to showcase the War for Wakanda expansion. So instead of us talking about the games we've been playing, I'll be joined by Luke Lore, a friend of the show, and we're going to talk about our experience thus far with the expansion. So I'm going to let you go here, Kyle. Before you do, what would you like to spotlight? I'd like to spotlight myself, Mr. KSF, on Twitter, on PSN, and on Xbox. So go send me a follow or a friend request there. Um, if you like indie games and want to see all the cool indie coverage that I do, 
excuse me, go over to sixoneindie.com. That's S-I-X-O-N-E-I-N-D-I-E. Um, also the same on Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, all those fun things. Uh, special shout out to everyone that came out on Saturday at Brooklyn, New York, where we uh, got to hung out all day. I got to hug Catherine. It was amazing for the first time in almost two years. Oh, my gosh. Um, it was great seeing friendly faces. I wish you were there, Joe, but completely understand why you weren't. And uh, please, for the love of all that is holy and not, get vaccinated. I want to hug these people and hug you whatever I want. And I can't right now, and it's frustrating me. So go get vaccinated, wear a mask, stay as safe as possible. Please. Thank you. That's my TED Talk for today. With that, listen, usually we have the little like PlayStation whoosh to transition us, but because this is, you know, Wakanda Forever, you know, whatever, like, you know, it's a Wakanda expansion. Could we three, two, one Wakanda Forever? Oh, 100%. Rest right. in peace, Chadwick. Chadwick, it's for you, but we're my man. <laughs> I was going to say my brother. I'm like, I don't know, personally. All right, ready? Three, two, one, Wakanda Forever. Wakanda Forever. And to top everything off, I'm joined by, I guess, my friend host of the xbox expansion podcast mr luke lore how are you doing sir i am doing well my friend i'm glad to be here with you uh, i'm excited to talk about our topic but more than anything it's always a pleasure to be on the trophy room so thank you for having me uh the pleasure is only yours so listen <laughs> <Luke>. <laughs> we've been on the dividing line here yeah, uh, when you're it ugly. comes to avengers i mean well my mother says otherwise and your <laughs> mother does as well oh um, that I I'm not a big fan of Avengers. Right. And yeah. you're a huge fan. Now. I didn't want to just come into the show and dunk on this game. Sure. Um I just I feel like that'd be inappropriate and gross and rude to the people that, that made this game. Mm-hmm. So I've brought you in. I appreciate it. They that. just made War or War for Wakanda just came out. It's right. just released. Introduces the the nation of Wakanda, introduces the Black Panther into mm-hmm the uh, Avengers games universe. Mm-hmm. So with that, I feel like this is a great jumping off point into what Avengers has become and hopefully where it's going. So Luke, I want to know how far you're in uh, to war of Wakanda so far. Um, I would say I've played, well, I know that I've played the first four missions, um, which has been about two hours approximately um, and that that time can be crit pathed and, and rushed through, or you can take your time and explore. And there's a lot to explore there, so that's a, a varied time part. But uh, I would say the first four missions uh, in a meaty enough dose that I know where it's going and I know mm-hmm. what's different about War for Wakanda and what it's doing to the game, uh, at least at this early stage, because it's live service and things do right. flux there. But I got a good handle on it. So what has changed from War for Wakanda? you know, uh, from the base game into War for Wakanda? Well, the the base game launched in a state that I was not impressed or happy with, and you and I actually played together early on and really tried to like a lot. Um, I, I can consistently remember conversations with you and I trying to have fun with Avengers at first and having bits and pieces and moments, and then just it was frustrating. And since launch, there's been a wonderful glow up for the PS5 and Xbox Series XS, and that has been that looks really good, um, and that's kind of nice to see. You, you know your Avengers level heroes uh, now in their MCU outfits if you want them. 
you know, in 4K, quick load times, you know, looking real good. Um, I, I love that. 60 frames is the, the mode that I play in. And in since this past summer, I would say about June, there's been a lot of content that has arrived for the, the veteran players, the people that have they've been playing it, looking at gear stats, that kind of stuff. And they did a good job at diversifying some rather boring boss fights and some rather boring enemy fights because the the complaint often about the base game is that there's just too many robots, which mm-hmm. I get, you know, like when you're the Avengers, you need to fight robots or aliens because you need an army to, to go after, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and since June, they've been working or they've been putting out content that they've been working on. That's done a great job to, to bring that variety. I'll also note the game launched with six heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, War for Wakanda brings it to nine okay. and they're all free to play. Uh, they all play very differently. They made a very big mistake in launching the two Hawkeyes back to back because yeah, very outside look, yeah, and outside looking in, you would think that they're the same. They play extremely differently. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of fun fact: Kate Bishop plays a lot like Nightcrawler because she has a, a teleporter, um, which is really fun to, to mess around with mobility wise. It's also to note that War for Wakanda is free as well to anybody with the base game. Mm-hmm. So this whole experience is not a twenty dollar, you know, expansion like. Ghost of uh, Ghost of Tsushima's is this is completely free if you have the base game, including Black Panther. So, how does Wakanda feel from the rest of the game? Is it different enough? Is the level design to your liking? Has is there improvements that you're seeing? As far as you're talking about Wakanda, the place, not playing yeah. as Black Panther, right? Yeah, Wakanda, the place. Okay, so there's a lot more lush green environments that are a lot less sterile than I think some of the base game. We talked about off air Nevada, which is an area in the game that you can play in and how barren that desert will look. Uh, We've talked about how uh, New York can look rather tepid, especially next to bigger high profile games like Spider-Man and Miles Morales and whatnot. Wakanda itself, a lot of lush greens, a lot of uh, really vibrant flora, uh, that looks just beautiful. Uh, a lot more platforming is involved in Wakanda that you didn't get. And and I think some people really wanted. I enjoy the platforming in the game, depending on which character I'm using. There are some characters that I want to vomit when I play as, because <laughs> they're just, there's awful mobility and others that I love. Um, yeah. And so Wakanda is beautiful, a lot more platforming, and there's a lot of discoverability. There's a lot of caves that you go in and explore, yeah. and they're doing things with that. So that the area, they did a good job of really kind of changing up the way that it, that you move about. Yeah, and talking about the characters you play as, let's just get right into it. Mm-hmm. Black Panther is the best hero they've put in, even since the base game. I you, love them. You think so? You love them? Yeah, he, he's so marketably different. One of the, for better or worse, one of the the things about Avengers is that you each character does really feel different, and there are some that I just hate, and there are some that mm-hmm. players just love. Black Panther himself plays different than any of the previous eight characters, um, and for someone like me who's a veteran and mains on Iron Man, Thor, and Cap, it is really hard to adjust to his play style to get used to the combos to get used to the the parrying and blocking system and building up that vibranium skill so i'm having a lot of adjustment uh to my standard gameplay style if you're a new player um it's probably like playing a black panther game if you play solo and that's kind of cool and that's like constantly playing as black panther like it i wanted it 
like I wanted a Black Panther game so bad. It, mm-hmm. He felt really great to play as and like just hitting people up in the air. He, he kind of played a little bit like a DMC game where like for me, I'm I'm hitting him up in the air and then I'm doing these daisy chain combos to keep him in the air mm-hmm. and then just like striking down, causing a big AOE. I love that about him. And I think w- one of the bu- the abilities I had was this huge pike and I'm just like tossing it into mm-hmm. like huge enemies and just seeing, seeing them go back like six feet or like pegging mm-hmm. a, a dude from across the field and he's just stuck in the ground. So I'm just beating the crap out of him. Yeah. Like, there's a lot there. man. There's a lot of depth to all of the characters and in, including, and perhaps especially black Panther, because as you build up skills and that skill tree, which is rather extensive, you can tailor it to a play style, kind of like an RPG in that sense. Mm-hmm. And so your Panther and mine could look very different. And this, you're talking about the assault heroic with that spear. Yeah. You can do a lot of really cool stuff with that. And then you have Kamoya beads and this, this Panther call in that you can do for your old, there's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. You're playing it like a DMC character. I'm doing a lot more uh, knocking people up, doing a few hits, and then doing a pounce ability where you're mm-hmm. pouncing onto people and just tearing them apart with those vibranium claws. Um, and and I know other people are playing very differently as well. We're all, as a community gaming, uh, Avengers community, trying to figure out the best way to play because if you're playing this like a third-person action game, you're playing a Black Panther game. If yeah. you're playing it like a looter shooter, you're specking, min-maxing, and all that stuff. And that's not where I go. Uh, right. with it with it for sure you just want to look cool and i want to look things. cool i want to look yeah. cool and i want to be an avenger and that's what i get out of the game and i think that's that's why a lot of people bounced off and that's they they bored of that or they were tired of it yeah uh let's talk a, a quick bit about the voice acting yeah um, man. our man christopher judge whoo wow yeah. huge it, shoes to fill huge shoes to fill I mean, you know, I know the PlayStation community knows Chris Judge, um, but I mean, God of War is, is, in my opinion, the best game ever made. And a lot of that game is brought to life because of Christopher Judd, Judge. And um, when you're stepping into Chadwick Boseman's shoes, how do you do it? And I, I have things to say about it, but for you, as not a non-Avengers fan trying to get a Black Panther experience, what was your first go-to feeling when you first started hearing him say things and when the, the lines like Wakanda forever showed up dude he killed this role yeah. like he yeah he did Chadwick proud like mm-hmm. he lost like you know uh, Greg Miller front of the show I could say that you can't he said that it it felt it it, it it felt like he he got lost in the role and that's what it means like mm-hmm. I, that's what it feels like rather like he I I couldn't even if you told me this is the voice of Kratos I tell you you're lying Mm-hmm. <laughs> like no way yeah. he, he it's unrecognizable you have to stress you have to stress to hear it in there and you have to know that it was kratos's voice to do it um they brought in the very same accent uh accent counselors uh that that helped with black panther the movie proper and that getting that wakandan accent uh and it was really interesting to see people uh stressing about this woman because she was white and in fact, she's somebody who's traveled all over Africa on land to get all the individual accents of the various tribes and nations around there to build that Wakandan accent that you hear in the movie and then brought that and coached Christopher Judge and this cast to do it. And he does get lost in this role. And it's a very different T'Challa. Yeah. Which is which is great because you don't want to try and be Chadwick Boseman. You don't want to try and be that T'Challa. You can't. That's right. And and 
there was so much love into this character that when I when they would have those Easter egg lines like this never gets old uh, yeah. or Wakanda forever, it was its own thing. But it was a, it was a comfortable, respectful nod to those fans that have been built from those previous moments. But when I heard him say this never gets old, it, it was a cool, just like a giddy feeling because it wasn't the same, but it was in the right yeah. ways. Yeah, when I when I heard him scream Wakanda forever, I was like, "Oh shit, we're in it!" Mm-hmm. Like this, this was awesome. Yeah. Story wise, I find it without any spoilers serviceable. I bet if you're into the Avengers game mythos, that you're you're connecting all the dots. Mm-hmm. As someone who's not, I was just like, "All right, it's fine." I thought it was a, thus far. I should say thus far, it is a, a serviceable superhero story that mm-hmm. does have a lot of connections, which for those of us that care are neat. But Avengers was never really about the story after you've played it once. You right. play it once, you get a good third-person action game. Kamala is wonderful in the base game. The two Hawkeyes have a great story combined. This was a serviceable story. There was a lot of, thus far, there have been a lot of really neat conversations. And Joe, I don't know, I have, mm. there's one that stands out in my mind that I want to talk about. Definitely. Have you walked up to any of the missable conversations, the ones that don't need to be heard? I, some of them I have, I know there's one in particular you want to share, so go for it. Yeah. I, I, unfortunately the clip that I had didn't, didn't grab the audio. Sometimes that happens with Xbox share. It's, it's frustrating, but, um, there was this really great moment where you're still, you're forced to be in cap at the very beginning when you're not black Panther, just for service Mm -hmm. purposes. And you walk downstairs and if you if you go to where Clint Barton and Kamala Khan are talking next to a beautiful window looking out at Wakanda, Clint is not okay. Something's like wrong. And he's like, that guard keeps staring at me. And Kamala's like, yeah. He goes, what, what's wrong? Like, what did I do something wrong? I'm not. He's, he's like wondering if he's a threat or something. And she goes, you don't get it, do you? And he goes, no. And she says, you're the minority now. And it was a powerful moment, at least for me as a listener, because she went on to explain that the looks are normal. You do get used to them being the alien amongst the group or looking different uh, in in a place. But for every person that stares, there's a hundred people that smile. And that's what he has to focus on. And it was awesome because Clint wasn't like, oh, I get it. Yeah. He was solemn and reflective. Like he wasn't yet okay with the information. He was processing it. Whereas Kamala had been there her whole life with that. And those are the exact kind of things I want to have in a, in a a black Panther story or any story that, that focuses on this because they brought in Evan Narcisse from the movies to talk about the experience of being Wakandan and make it authentic and special. And this story is meant to be a Wakanda story, a black Panther story, not an Avengers story. Mm-hmm. And those little things where the Avengers are learning, I appreciated that. Oh, that was That's wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Last but not leastly, um, sure. I do want to take note before we get on out of here that yeah, voice acting is incredible. Black Panther is great. Uh, level design, you and me, kind of differ on. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but sure. I could definitely see it's improved. It has improved, yeah. Combat in terms of the variety, I feel like we're we're still getting there. But mm-hmm. we're making progress. I'm, I'm not inclined- just fighting big robots all the time. The one thing I do want to state, though, I'm not a fan of the spider robots we're fighting. Yeah. I think um, it's funny because the robot argument, I think, is a very valid one. Mm-hmm. They, they, I think it's a little overblown in the social media space. Sure. 
Because you have to fight an army of something. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're playing. It's Hulk like, can't. Hulk can't just beat up a, a normal person like a like yeah. a Kamala can't con can or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and so you need a little leeway there. By the same token, it was a little excessive in the base game. Yes. And if they were more fun to fight, some of those robots, I think we would complain a bit less. Um, yeah. The combat has evolved. It is dependent upon which character you get. If you are playing the game without studying skill trees and you're running up and just pressing X, the game will feel very similar. If you allow yourself to go into the depth, it won't. And that just depends on what you want out of the game, for okay. sure. Um, okay. But we can critique several things here. There's a lot of things wrong with Avengers that it, the game is not for certain mm-hmm. people. If, if you want to attack something, uh, I'd love to hear them because there's a lot of things that I am critical about despite loving the game. Honestly, I feel like we can we could have a whole podcast on it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I feel like the topic itself could be could be an extra show. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I feel like the variety is getting there. Mm-hmm. It is slowly and surely improving. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I want to know before we get on out of here because we're right about to hit time. Is okay. What are your thoughts walking? into Wakanda. Do you think that this is the Taken King expansion that this game needs? Would you recommend people jumping back into it? It's not the Taken King. I think they wanted it to be. They expected it to be. I do not think it's going to be the Taken King in that it revitalizes everything. But I do think it was an incredibly powerful adrenaline shot Mm -hmm. into there. Um, Anybody that's interested in a superhero game this year, is not getting much and you can find Avengers on sale anywhere and all the content is free to play mm-hmm. all of it like once you get the game I should say I should rephrase that every hero is available to you you don't need to pay for anything the the monetization system is a bit strange if you want to pay for the challenge card you get more currency back when you finish the challenge card that's how they get you right um, but you can play all of these experiences and I would recommend this game to anybody that likes superheroes on sale right gotcha. And it's gotcha. not a looter shooter that's going to grab you and keep you like Destiny. It's it's not going to be Spider-Man, Insomniac, Rocksteady, Batman. But there's a fun game to be had there uh, for casual fr- fans. And I like being Iron Man. That's just awesome right. to me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, for me, I think this is building to what Avengers 2 will be. I think this is, this is the case study that they're building, mm-hmm. seeing what people are liking from it. And then whatever the next game is, that's what's... That's what this is really a, a template for. I, I hope so, because there's a lot they need to fix. But there is a special feeling, Joe, about yeah. having the MCU suits, which unfortunately are an expensive buy-in. But yeah. seeing your MCU characters in these really well-produced cutscenes is a good feeling. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. I know we're getting at least two more heroes, one of them being Spider-Man. Um, and I'm curious to know how Square handles it going forward because Square's weird themselves. But yeah, there's there's enough here to have fun with, but I wouldn't say anybody should pay full price no matter what. Absolutely, absolutely. With that said, Luke, is there anything you'd like to, or anything you'd like to highlight before we get on out of here, good sir? Uh, about Avengers or in general? No, about you, about your show. Oh. This little thing called the Xbox Expansion Pass, that type of stuff. Absolutely. Um. I am very proudly uh, approaching episode 100 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, which is a show that I do solo. I mean, I have guests on. I interview developers, equality advocates for the gaming industry, uh, and and certain uh, content creators and producers. But I'm approaching episode 100, which to me is a big milestone and very important to me. Um, and I would welcome any Trophy Room listeners 
to go check out the Xbox expansion pass like the trophy room. Um, my beat is is the system that's in the title, but I genuinely love games from everywhere, as do you. Um, so I, I would ask any listener to go check it out. Give it a chance. Uh, check, you know, if you enjoy it, do the iTunes thing and all that stuff. But I would love to have more eyes on a project that I, I'm very proud of and I think um, is worthy of being in a gamer's podcast feed, not just an Xbox gamer's feed. Absolutely. With that, Luke, I can't agree with everything you just said there. But what I will say is, no, in all seriousness, (laughs) Xbox Expansion Pass is one of, if not my favorite Xbox podcasts. And this is not an if, ands, or buts thing about it. You do have the best interviews in the gaming industry. No one does them better than you. I mean that sincerely. I'm not even like, not even like, just kidding, you suck. (laughs) I mean every word of it. So go Thanks. check out the Xbox expansion pass. Go check out my boy Luke over there at the insipid ghost on Twitter. All the links of all that down below. And with all that said, with all that out of the way, everybody, you can find the trophy room over at PS trophy room. You can find me over at Mr. Bad bit, and you can find their show on YouTube, on Apple podcasts, on Spotify, on Google play, wherever you find your podcast service of choice, you can find the trophy room there. And with all that said, and with all that out of the way, everybody keep your what's about you keep hunting and keep playing PlayStation. See you guys. <laughs>